702. You can call us on 011-883-0702. It is 17 minutes ago before we get to 10 o'clock. Uh, two chefs join me on the line. I'll start off with uh, owner of Extreme Cuisine in Cape Town's Mulberry. And that is, of course, uh, Chef Vainant Duplessis. Good evening to you, Chef, and thank you for joining us. Absolutely no problem. Thank you for having me. Great stuff. Look, I mean, uh, one of the statistics I didn't go through with the prof now, um, you know, from the HSRC was the impact that has been felt in different industries. But I'm pretty sure uh, that in the restaurant business, um, you have felt a hell of a lot of impact. I mean, you have, um, you know, all kinds of people from sous chefs, uh, yourself as a chef, uh, to waiters, to, uh, you know, even staff at your front desk. Uh, that you are dependent on that, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult to pay under these circumstances. But at the very same time, despite all of that pressure, despite all of that difficulty, uh, you found to uh, a way to still bring light to people's lives, despite the fact that you find yourself in a difficult position. Yeah, I think um, the word difficult is a slight under description of the whole situation. Most places have had to close their doors and... Uh, there's no money coming in, and, and for any business, that's a major problem. And as a business owner, we all have enormous responsibilities, not just towards our own families, but the people that enable us to run our businesses and deliver a product and service um, and to pay salaries. And in my case, I have 12 full-time staff members and I have an enormous casual base. And it's to put food on their tables. And everybody uh, out there is, is, is taking a beating. It's not just the hospitality industry. I'm a caterer. I do large corporate events and stadium events and small weddings. And, but restaurants, hotels, conference centers, pretty much anybody that was in the game of entertaining in all their sectors, takeaway cafe. So it's everybody in the hospitality sector, guest houses, so it's a very difficult time for us. And what we, what I, what I thought is, I had a system of supporting various charities um, for years already, mm. where we had. I, I always do these big functions, and we do buffets, and all this food always comes back, and it always broke broke my heart that you sit with all this stuff, and now it needs to go into a bin. This big blue truck comes, and you throw it away, and there it is. And we looked at the problem we've had for years. And what we started doing is because everything gets transported to and from and refrigerated, and this is we meant to reserve to culture. As we said, let's take the stuff that comes back and we start freezing it in a very, very good condition. We take care of it. We take all good food practices into account. And when we have a quiet day or two, and being based in Cape Town, we've got quite a few quiet days when the rain comes in winter. Yeah. And then we turn that frozen items that we have, which is 100% nothing wrong with it, and we start making soup. And we started freezing it in little blocks, and we started vacuum packing it in 10 little blocks in a bag. And we, did, we started a little network of charities and soup kitchens and church outreaches all across Cape Town. And... Every now and then we just make a phone call and say, how are you looking in your soup? And we go and drop like a little frozen bag of soup blocks off. And over the years, we've got a little network and we kept on supporting them. And as the lockdown and everything started making the news and COVID-19 a few months ago, we 
we, we started looking into what is happening everywhere else in the world because my take on it is it's, this is not 9-11 that we're going to read about and it's happening over there on the other side of the big blue water. And mm-hmm. we, we, we started actively getting involved with the people that we were involved with and said, okay, well, if this would happen to us, um, how much would you need for the next, for say a six-week period if we had to be faced with a lockdown and I went out and I bought a couple of freezers and we put freezers in place so that they would have storage for a six week period um, based on the volumes that they used Um, and we put in a couple of freezers in a couple of places and lockdown came and all the freezers we had put down and those that were in place already we stopped up and as you do you now abide by the rules and you don't go out your gate because the president said we're to stay at home. And by the way, I think they are, the government and the president is doing an absolutely fantastic job. For sure. Um, because I've been exposed on the ground to, and, and, and I've been in the fortunate and in some cases a very unfortunate position to see what's happening. Um, and we filled up all the freezers and I gave myself a pat in the back and I said, job well done. Um, I live in Mowbray, I drive around the block, I'm going to do some shopping, mm. and I saw a silver Toyota Corolla, and a lady got out of the car, and she took a pot of soup, and she had a little blue gloves on, and a little face mask, and she gave it to a couple of guys on the side of the road that were living in a tent. And as I turned around to try and find, to try and said to the lady, hello, who are you? I've got some frozen soup in my freezer. By the time I got there, she was gone. Chatted to the guys who received the soup. They gave me a number. Chatted mm. to that lady, and I got hold of Sonia. And it all started there with 45 people, soup a day. Who, and slowly but surely, I started to 300 liters of soup I had frozen in blocks. And then became a little bit more. Mm. I got hold of Amanda Kirk at the CID, the OPCID, the local city improvement district. They were doing 50 people. I looked at my stock levels. I made a bit of soup so I can help them out for two or three weeks. Till lockdown's over, I've got enough. And I started going into my own kitchen because I've got a 1,200 square meter kitchen that's literally, we call it, we put it into hibernation. So everything non-essential was turned off. It was a couple of fly traps and a few fridges that had some stock in and a few freezers. And that was it. We we went into self-preservation mode to save costs. And I had to start going in and make some soup and went to the local shopping center and bought a couple of kilos of this and that. And then I said, okay, well, I've got you guys under it. So what about the observatory or the, the auditor security CID, the, the guys that looks after the neighborhood? And I got mm-hmm. them on board and, and I started noticing the need. And it, it was just something that I, I I just started doing it, and then I heard about another 20 people and another 50 people. And, and as I expanded around my own block, literally my own city block, it's, it's, it's just things became bigger and bigger. And I came up with this idea to call it Superthon 1000 based on 1,000 kilograms of vegetables. Um, and that's where it started. And I found a few friends, and it started with my best friend, Pete Goswick. And we rounded up a couple of chefs. And and I started from the outset, it needs to be professional chefs, because it's a lot of vegetables, and I'm going to need some serious professional help. 
And the guys came around and we had the face marks thing and I approached local authorities and I asked their guidelines and I explained to them what I do. And they enjoyed the idea, they entertained my idea and I got very strict guidance. And the first time around we worked through a ton of vegetables and we ended up with 1,571 liters of soup, I think it was. Now from every liter of soup we, we can feed six people. Um, because we make the soup exceptionally thick, almost yeah. like a pasty consistency, and then we freeze it in a block. So whoever the recipient is doesn't receive a one-liter block which yields you four portions because I work in a rough portion size of 250 mil because that's the average size of your cup, um, mm. and it just makes sense. Yeah. But if I give you a liter portion and say to you, throw that liter in the pot, but before you do that, throw in a half liter of water, bring it to the boil, and you take that block frozen, and you throw it into that pot of boiling water, it then melts, and it won't burn because it's so thick. Because if you're going to try and warm it up without the water, it's going to stick to your pot. Yeah. You and you've got one and a half liters, yes. So, and there's six portions. And that's how it started. No, that's and that's a, Yeah, and, and that's 1,571 liters of soup. Now that the word has spread and we started our outreach a little bit further, lasted a week. And then I realized, no, wait. <laughs> the problem is a little bit bigger than the lady with the blue gloves and the pot of the road and the pot of soup that was up the road. There's, there's a lot and, more people, uh, a lot more right. people in need, ultimately. No, the need was just colossal. I mean, my, my initial, wow, look at this. We managed to cook 1,500 soup. I realized. This wasn't even a drop in the bucket. This was just the start of it. Wow. And I got some friends. Then I found all these chefs back, all my wonderful friends. There was Dion from the Mount Nelson, Leonard from LNT, Evan Kuzner. Um, there was just so many people. I'm scared to mention And Greg, my chemical guy from Table by Supplies. He was our health and safety. So he kept all the super excited chefs apart. Because remember... Uh, I've been in and out the whole day cooking my own soup, and yeah, you got um, very flamboyant, extroverted artists, and food is their medium, locked up in their coops for a month, and now you let them out. <laughs> so it's just all hugs and kisses and happy and joy, and, and now I need to be the bad man and say, no, 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 no. Social you need to be two meters apart, let's cover your face, put some gloves on. You can shout and scream and do what you want, but you can't touch each other and you can't <laughs> high five when you do. So it, it, it was a very surreal experience because it was awesome to see each other, but it's like you can't do it. You, yeah. you can't be normal. It's, everything needs to change. So with this, it's, it's, it's everything we do is a first for everything. And when they came back there and I said to them, guys, we, can we organize a second one? And they all, oh, I need to make the circle bigger because I don't want to get the same guys over and over, because, you know, by the third or the fourth time, it becomes very hard work. Because, mm, mm. remember, it's a 1,000 kilograms of vegetables. So to put that into perspective, it's a bag of potatoes, but it's 100 of them. Yeah. Um, it, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's really, it's a lot. It's like five normal buckets full of potatoes back to the roof. Mm. And, and, and it's hard work through working through that volume of stuff. So I said to them, why don't we invite a couple of other guys? And they all said, no, categorically, there's no way, because it was a great day out and we want to do it again. <laughs> so, uh, so now it's an, a bit of an excursion. I mean, for and that's just typical check. I mean, just to give an idea, I 
mean, we 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 we're a very small secluded community because I mm. think sometimes pe- people think we're weirdos, and and we are sometimes some of us at least, <laughs> um, and we go and hide in our little engine rooms, and our in our little engine rooms, and. Um, I said to him, okay, guys, wait. I think the problem is bigger than the 10 or 12 of us that got involved in it. It's like, why don't we take the 10 heads that was here and we split them up into five groups? And then I have two head chefs for the day, which now understands the lay of the land and how my kitchen works. Because every kitchen is different. The equipment, the refrigeration, the workflow, mm-hmm. where you wash the vegetables. And you guys now be the head chefs for the day for me. And then you phone eight of your friends or eight of your staff. But there's a protocol. There's a questionnaire. There's a whole list of questions. Fill it in. Do the thing. Have you been a good boy? What's your temperature? How many times have you been out? Where have you been? If you've been out. And some guys passed the test and some guys failed the test. And those that passed the test, as they come through the door, they go through a little examination and temperature and, and, and they get sanitized from head to toe and we all smell like hospitals walking around, but that's a good thing in today's day and age. No, indeed. Um, and, and then we got another five days going and, and, and then it's in court momentum because every 10 guys that came told another three or four guys. So every time 10 guys that walked through the door, there was 14 more that wanted to come because they told their friends and it was like a get-out-of-jail card situation. I mean, it's a, it's an absolutely fascinating idea. I mean, it's just coming through and, and how this worked. What was the incentive ultimately? Because, uh, you know, to some extent as human beings, we be driven by something. There should be some form of incentive. And it's really wonderful to hear that apart from obviously giving back to the community and assisting, but this was also an opportunity for people uh, to reconnect, yeah. albeit under new circumstances. Before before we have to break for news at, at in, in three minutes' time, Vainan, I just want to quickly introduce uh, Peter Joff Wood, who we also have on the line. I hope I, I pronounced your, your name and surname correctly there. Um, uh, good evening, Peter. Thanks for joining us, man. <coughs> Peter, can you hear me? Yeah, great. Great stuff. Look, the line doesn't sound all that great. I mean, just very briefly in about the two minutes that we have left, and I'll continue this conversation after the news, after the uh, 10 o'clock eyewitness news. The role that you then played, I mean, Vainan basically getting these people together, albeit through an accident, but but obviously uh, a very serendipitous, happy accident. Um, The role that you came in as as a celebrity chef, as a world-renowned celebrity chef in your space? Well, I'm Vainant, Vainant has uh, the heart of a bear, but he also has the belly of a lion, and 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 he's very well well connected. He plays down his connections in in the industry, and and when he calls, we help. You know, he put out a call to arms to the various chefs that have worked with him over the last couple of years, and said what he was doing. This was his plan, and 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 we all we we all, we all said great. Tell us where we need to be and what we need to do. We've pitched up in our droves and, and we've been peeling and chopping ever since the last couple of weeks. No, that's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, especially in your space as, as, as being known as a celebrity chef. I mean, it's a, it's a relatively new phenomenon here, but, you know, you, you hold a lot of sway. I mean, does that then assist with funding? Because I was going to ask Vainant, I mean, uh, you know, here you are, your own businesses are under pressure, but you're assisting society in the process. I mean, does this then also help with, with uh, people who are able to open up their pockets and their hearts and, and say then, listen, here, here's, here's uh, a ton of potatoes since you need a ton of potatoes or here's X amount of uh, tomatoes or whatever else you need? Look, I certainly hope it does. 
you know, if 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 I can help to 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 raise and profile, get some more money in the coffers so we can carry on doing what we're doing, then then you know that's mm. the least I can do. You know what I'm saying? It's it's this thing has been all leveling this virus, mm. and, and fortunately, as shifts through through people like Vaynant, we have an avenue where we can actually do something. You know, it's all very well to sit at home and stay at home as we all should be doing. But here's an opportunity to we can do something. You know, uh, our restaurants, as Venom said at the intro, we, we aren't going back to work for any time soon with this new level thing that's working out. You know, unless mm. those get towards takeaways, most of us are not going back to work for another couple of months. So in the meantime, we have itchy knives. And if it means spending a day, a week in Venom's kitchen, chopping vegetables and cooking soup, you know what? It's the least we could do. So be it. Uh, if we can make a dent in in what needs to be done in the next couple of months, it's, okay, great, it's an honor to be of service. Peter, you and uh, Chef Venant, stay on the line. I'm continuing the chat. I'll wrap it up just after the 10 o'clock Eyewitness News. Thank you so much. Uh, that was uh, Peter Joffrey Wood as well as uh, Chef Venant Duplessis there. Talk at 9 on 702, your number one news and talk station. Welcome back. It is six minutes past ten. You're listening to me, Gershwell Brooksy, on uh, 702 and uh, on Talk at 9. Great to be in your company, of course. A uh, very interesting conversation that we're having with two chefs, Chef Vainant Duplessis as well as uh, Chef Peter. Uh, and I have to double-check this, uh, this pronunciation of his, uh, his uh, surname, Goff Wood. Um, both of them chefs out of Cape Town doing some really wonderful work uh, in the interim. Let me start with Peter there. Peter, I'll give you the first bite of the cherry. Come, let's let's clarify this thing with your surname. What is the surname? Please let me get it right. Goffwood is spot on. Goffwood, okay, Very great. Right. Yeah, well, I called you Joffwood early on, but I figured, no, I need to correct that. Um, so, I mean, you know, out of all of this, um, b- with business being under severe pressure, and I love the way that you put it, that you know you're simply just not going to go back to work uh, in the next for the next couple of months. So this gives you something to do. I mean that f- I find it fascinating, especially uh, within the current environment where it's survival mode for many businesses like yourselves. Um, I have a friend who's a restauranteur, and I, I can only imagine what he's going through um, at the stage. You know, with uh, business being closed, number of people that he has to employ and pay salaries to. Um, he himself having to sustain himself, it's easy to fall into that trap of saying, my survival, how on earth am I going to survive? End of story, and that's where you leave it, um, rather than saying that, listen, I'm actually going to go out of my way and do something for other people. What what pushes you and drives you in this particular instance? Well, well, well it's, I, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, uh, I think we're in a unique position in terms of restaurants. And, and it's not restaurants, it's bars. Yeah. It's conferences, it's stand-up comics, it's MCs. All of us who, who operate in 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 a, in, a, in a domain where people gather in order for us to make money, we are going to be the last let out of the box in order mm, to earn. Mm, mm. We are level two, level one. It's going to be at best twelve weeks before we get to earn again. So you can be pragmatic about it. You can say. I'm going to isolate myself in my cave. I'm going to look after myself and my loved ones and weather out the storm and let my staff, you know, uh, do what they need to do because I'm now looking after myself. Yeah, yeah. Restaurateurs have probably been one of the best um, 
um, uh, sectors that have gone over and above to make sure their stock pickers with the marginals. The waiters, let's look at the UAF. The waiters are going to get minimum wage. Waiters have 60% of their wages come from tips. Yeah. The UAF does not cover tips. So, so, so there's all these sorts of things to consider. We are, are the marginals in the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry. Now, we can stay locked down and feel sorry for ourselves, or here's an opportunity for us to do something to give back to take our minds off what it means to our own businesses and say, like, there are people out there who are worse off than we are. There's no question. You know, my, my prospects are bleak, but I'm in my house in Hell Bay with my wife, so we're locked down, and it's, you know, we're not worried about food. Mm. We're maybe worried about payments and, and, and rent and interest and mortgage and bits and pieces, but we're not worried about putting food on our table. So our, you know, so 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 our, our problems are dire in, in terms of our own situation, and 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 many monks like us, but at least we have food on the table, and here is our uh, an opportunity that Raynaud's given us to help put food on other people's tables, and I think anybody in their right mind would not jump at the opportunity to do this. The fact that we can peel and chop and make soup gives us unique skills to be able to do just that. As Vanon said, it's very important that we have professional shifting, that you understand cleaning, cleaning regimens, sanitation, sanitation regimens, cold chain in terms of making food, freezing, delivering, so there is no infection, there is no risk of, of there's no risk of people getting food poisoning, let alone, you know, let alone uh, COVID poisoning. So there, there are a whole other chain of events that we as chefs are uniquely positioned to make sure that we can deliver this. So while I'm sitting my butt for the next three months, I'd like to be contributing rather than just absorbing. As a final question for you, I mean, the one thing that stands out for me automatically is obviously you have all of these um, um, chefs who are contributing in terms of their own inverted commas manpower, um, but you know that that doesn't uh, provide you with the potatoes and the veggies and you know uh, proteins and everything else that you require. I mean, what what role can people play? How have people stepped up to say to you that listen, this is what you can put into your soup? That's not only nutritious but delicious, obviously, because this is coming from uh, professional chefs after all. Sure. Look, Rainer will give you a, a better a better overview of that. What we have done is we sure. have set up our Superfund. We've set up an account through through First National Bank, which is an independent, transparent account that people can donate to. We have a little um, a little blurb, a little thing we put up on Facebook, on Instagram, everywhere with little snaps. Can you can donate? Five rand, you can donate five hundred thousand rand, you can donate five billion rand. We are reliant on, on on people giving us. So far, we've been very fortunate. We as restaurateurs have gone to our suppliers and said, "Guys, look, come to the party, show some love." And they don't will tell you what our fund is standing on. But uh, a week or so ago, we were looking at fifty, close on sixty thousand rand that people have donated so that we could buy vegetables. So we don't get anything for this. We have raised money so that we can get truckloads of it. They don't go every morning to the market and we buy 
and we buy pockets of potatoes, pockets of onions, pockets of carrots. And so, so if you want to give, I'm going to let Raymond give the details because sure. he has all of those. But well, you can. You can, you can come to the party if you think you can do something. You can. You can do something. You can, from your own isolated position, you can make a difference. Especially if it's within your within your when you within your wherewithal to do so, you have you can donate fifty bucks. You can donate, and most of those people will tell you all these funds that raise twelve million, fifteen million. It starts with the guys who say, "I can put twenty bucks in. I can put fifty bucks in." Exactly. It starts with every single donation. Twenty bucks, fifty bucks, fifty bucks is is four or five kgs of vegetables. That's seven kgs, that's seven and a half pieces of soup. That's 60 portions of, I'm, I'm now showing you how bad my mouth is, but that's 60 or 70 <laughs> portions of soup from 50 bucks. Just extrapolated out there. You paid 50 bucks in, you provided 60 or 70 portions of soup. Yeah, that's stunning. That's Everything makes I mean, that, that for me is such an important message there, and ultimately that's that's what stands out. And uh, I love the fact that you're saying that you know more people can can join the party, and of course also at the very same time, you know, this puts out a challenge. I know that there's a an age old rivalry between Joburg and Cape Town. Uh, some of our own Joburg uh, restauranteurs can start looking into these possibilities as well. But obviously the T's and C's apply in this instance. Uh, Chef Peter Goffwood, thank you so much for your time. All the best to you. Okay. It's a pleasure being on. Thanks. Lovely, man. Cheers. Uh, I'm going to give you the final word there, uh, Chef Vaynard. I mean, as you heard there, um, uh, you know, you yourself finding yourself in a position whereby uh, those 300 liters of soup that you had frozen in blocks, many other people would have figured that, listen, I'm going to um, uh, keep that soup for myself in case things get really, really tough. But here you are distributing, making sure that that, uh, that soup actually gets to human beings, people who need it. Um, what was your motivation? Um, first of all, <laughs> um, I, uh, there, there, there's so many reasons, but you know, I can't sit and watch as things happen around me and I can cook a, a pot of soup. And, and I just wouldn't be able to live with myself knowing that there's a, a scratching in my dustbin where I throw away all the stuff that I don't want being at my dog's poo that I pick up on the lawn and the apple core and a little bit of rice that I forgot in the fridge and there's a guy starving on Monday morning when the garbage truck comes and he's going to look for something to eat and yeah. I, when I drive to the shopping center, there's somebody in desperate that I need. I've got a box of apples on, my, on the passenger seat, and every time I stop at a traffic light, or if I see somebody next to the road, I, I, I make the conscious effort of stopping and giving him two apples. And, and it's amazing when I stop at a traffic light, and there's somebody that begs. Normally, you'd give him a fire rental. You know, the world became so unfriendly that you somebody would approach you and you start closing your car window. Mm-hmm. Now, you open the window and I give every guy two apples. And by the time the second person is there, today I had to drive into town. I had a meeting. And I gave away 200 apples between Mowbray and the garden center. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a whole, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost much to help. But on the fundraising thing, sorry, I, I don't want to correct Peter. 
but I'm sitting in my in front of my computer and I've got my calculator right here. For 50 bucks, I can make you um, 171 cups of soup. Mm. To, to, to just bring it into context. To date, we've raised 141,000 rand of one little flyer that we sent that a friend of mine put together and I was quite disturbed because there was a little thing missing and there was an S where there wasn't was and it was a favor and a knee-jerk reaction. And that thing got noticed by so many people. And, and one of your questions to Pete is, is what can people do? Yeah. And, and, and Pete's done so much, but just because of who he is and, and the weight that his reputation carries and by him putting it out on his social platform and telling his circle of very close friends and they getting involved by not having to do anything, and they have been very involved, by distributing the message and what we are trying to do and achieve on their social media platforms. It is, it's just created so much awareness of, guys, we are trying to help, but this problem is bigger than us. This problem is bigger than me, Extreme Cuisine, or all these celebrity chefs. I'm talking Rudy Liebenberg at the Mount Nelson. Andrea folks from Dish Food and Social. Mm. Um, huge industry leaders. They, they, they've eaten humble pie and they're walking out of my kitchen with blisters and calluses and they're smiling and, and, and they feel motivated. And I think it's had such a profound impact on them. I mean, some of these guys hasn't picked up knives and stood in the kitchen for 16 hours slaving away for years because... It's not what they do anymore. They now look after 80 chefs cooking. And they've now bringing their chefs through, who is under enormous pressure, just for a little bit of motivation to say, remember, this is what we do for a living. And yeah. we're doing the simplest thing. We're cooking up a cup of soup. And somebody else is going, those guys have helped me to date. As we sit here, we've done 30,699 portions of soup that's oh. been warmed up and eaten somebody. We've done... 5,156 liters of soup that's been dispatched. In my freezer currently, I've got 5,206 liters of soup. That equates to 31,236 portions of soup that is being dispatched out of my building tomorrow. I can't tell you exactly where it goes, but I can tell you who's picking it up, which organization they belong to, and then they take distribution further. Which is, absolutely, to, which is absolutely yeah. lovely. I mean, just as a final thought there, I mean, you, uh, Peter did mention that you have some of the details in front of you. Who is it that people should be contacting? Um, is there a website? Is there a social media page? Is there anything else to follow uh, for people yes. to be able to assist with this? The Extreme Cuisine page on Facebook, Extreme Cuisine. Mm-hmm. And we've got an email address because our phones are not stopping reading. And it's soup at extreme.co.za. It's S-O-U-P at, and Extreme is spelled a little funny, E-X-T-R-E-E-M dot C-O.za. So it's soup at extreme.co.za and it's S-O-U-P at E-X-T-R-E-E-M dot C-O.za. Awesome stuff. Listen, uh, Chef Einan, thank you so much for your time. We'll have to leave it there. All the best to you, okay? And well done. And you're listen, thank doing. you so much for your time and help, helping us spread the message. Only we a pleasure. Really, appreciate really it. only a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you so much. Uh, Chef Einan Duplessis, owner of Extreme Cuisine in Cape Town's Marbury. And uh, interesting thing is uh, Extreme is not spelt the way that you would normally spell Extreme. Uh, Nor is Cuisine, but they're doing some excellent work there. Uh, well done on them. And I think the challenge then goes out to, to Joburg and um, restaurant restaurantiers, uh, Durban restaurantiers, anywhere else in the country where you find yourself. Uh, that's who uh, needs to participate in this one.